I'm Dean Murdoch, and this is Amazing Places. Welcome to another episode of Amazing Places. It's a new year, 2021, and uh, we're kicking it off this year with uh, a discussion about what this year might bring for local communities. Uh, already, we're only a few days into 2021. We're already seeing lots of news, lots of highlights, certainly things going on in the States that um, are, are probably the most shocking things we've seen out of uh, the last four years uh, with Trump. But things are a little calmer here north of the border, other than a bit of eruption over politicians traveling over the holiday break. But we're not gonna get into that today. I'd rather talk to uh, my guest today, who is a Saanich Councillor, the Chair of Saanich's Parks, Trails and Recreation Advisory Committee, and the Board Chair of BC Healthy Communities. Please welcome Judy Brownoff. Hi, Judy. Hi, Dean. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, locked down, but enjoying, you know, my house yes. even more, my garden. Yes, I hope you've got a cozy spot. It looks like we're going to have probably a little while yet before we can all emerge from our homes and embrace each other again. Yes, exactly. What does 2021 look like for Council Brownoff? What's in store in Saanich? Well, I think um, as you introduced me, I am the new chair of uh, PTR and uh, I have some ideas around some of the things that the committee uh, could work with. As you know, Saanich has uh, over 170 parks, all sorts of ecosystems and different areas that we could really work at uh, doing some restoration projects with volunteers. But again, with COVID, we have to uh, be careful of how we do that. But this is the decade, the UN has declared this the decade uh, for uh, ecosystem restoration. And I think Saanich is a key role to play in that considering the amount of land base we have in our park system. Um, there's also, I've just been reminded by staff, our uh, family bike ride uh, event that we've held for, I can't, 10 years or so started at the closure of Shelburne Street, which was, as you can imagine, you were on council, I think, I was, we started yes. it. And uh, uh, the engineers of the day were a little concerned and so were police. But we had 800 family with cyclists, including young kids on four wheels and all that sort of stuff. And we closed Shelburne and we biked from Gordon Head Park down to Shelburne uh, Plaza. So this year, um, with COVID, we're not sure how we could hold such an event, probably not similar to the ones we've done in the past because of um, the closure, but you know, there might be something, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking there might be some trail exploration or that sort of stuff so we can get people out and exploring the amazing trail network we have in Saanich. But we'll see, we're just brainstorming. I'm just brainstorming with staff. And then, of course, the other declaration that's come in is the UN has declared this the decade of healthy aging. And I think what we've seen uh, with COVID is there's been such an increase in traffic in our parks. Mm -hmm. And so um, what does that look like? And are there some other things that uh, we can do in our parks? Um, back of my head, I'm thinking education, like wouldn't you like to know what that, what that plant is on the ground or how old that tree is and 
all those sorts of things. So those are just kind of my things, but uh, for, the, for the municipality, our strategic plan, of course, uh, we developed after the election and then of course COVID hit and no one really realized what that would do. <laughs> no. uh, and uh, it's hard, I think, for um, residents to understand what it does for a large municipality like Saanich. Our staff have been very creative. We've continued to get work done, but there are things like I want to see continue to work on our stormwater management plan, which will capture climate change initiatives. Um, you'll remember this from uh, the complaints we used to get about parking. Remember parking? We have one parking uh, fellow who looks is the parking enforcement guy. And yes. so we're looking at uh, um, putting that under bylaws and under and hiring uh, another staff person and extending parking enforcement um, because uh, there's a lot of parking issues that happen in parks and, and elsewhere. People park on boulevards, which is against the law. So that's another one because, you know, although some people like our police seem to think we're going to make tons of money on this, we're not, but it's just a way to help residents. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not very, I don't think it's uh, not very efficient for a resident to call the police uh, to come and enforce a parking infraction mm -hmm. um, because our parking guy uh, has gone home already or is on holidays. So somehow we're going to get that under control. And then climate change. We've got a number of initiatives with climate change and uh, how we can move forward on some of those. And of course, Shelburne Corridor is our biggest uh, project right now. Um, uh, Shelburne, uh, people probably don't realize the project isn't just about mobility, but it's um, underground. Shelburne has the longest, the oldest, would stave pipe in Saanich. And so... <laughs> oh, how old is the pipe? Because wood stave da no, dates back about a century, right? Yeah, it's ancient. And uh, as you know, over the years, we've been slowly replacing wood stave pipes. Mm -hmm. um, this is a big one. I mean, it's not, you know, a foot wide. It's big. And uh, so all that is happening at the same time that we will improve the walking and cycling and transit improvements on Shelburne. So that's what, a three-phase process. What does the timeline look on, look like on those improvements? Because as you mentioned, it, it is definitely Saanich's largest infrastructure project on the go. Um, and it's multi-phased and it's been a long time coming. Um, but what does that look like for phase one? What might people expect to see and when? Well, phase one will finish this year and uh, then we'll be heading out like there. Engineering hasn't quite decided. There was talk about doing phase two and three together. Um, so just so it, we're clear, phase one is, is Feltham to Mackenzie. Is that right? No, Feltham to what's the road past Mackenzie? Okay. It's, there's a side road. Uh, I can't think of the name, but it's the first road past Mackenzie. Okay. Okay, and then from there to Cedar Hill, Cedar Hill to North Derry. And so it would be, um, so when it's finished, you said it'll be done this year, phase one. Phase There'll one. be bike lanes on both sides of Shelburne and uh, and widened sidewalks. Yeah, and, and, and improved does that bus stops. And does that include any um, lane reductions or is it staying two lanes in both directions? Well, this is short term. 
right? And the goal of the short-term plan was to ensure that we get bike lanes the full way on Shelburne. Mm -hmm. Shelburne has been in the plan uh, over 20 years as a in the cycling commuter network plan. And so uh, the bigger plan for Shelburne, the full enchilada, you know, with the uh, separated bike lanes and all ages and abilities and the trees and everything, that will slowly happen as new development happens along Shelburne. But this, this phase is really the short-term transportation improvements and the underground work. And so uh, with the University Heights redevelopment in the offing, I know that that has not come before council at this point, but uh, presumably that's going to happen in, in the more immediate term. Will the changes that are happening now along Shelburne Street be affected by whatever redevelopment might happen at that shopping center? Oh, you see, and I asked that question when we approved the active transportation plan and the Shelburne plan. Um, will not, it will, uh, it, it will enhance. So we will, as development happens along Shelburne, we will be acquiring land to, you see, what we're doing now is uh, interim. Uh, when we get more property, we'll be able to do, you know, separated all ages and ability uh, track at certain sections. But what we didn't want to do is do it one block at a time. We wanted mm -hmm. to get some sort of longevity down the whole corridor and then improve it as uh, development happens. I know that there is um, at least one, two developments that I can count that uh, have been approved in that corridor that would be phase two between uh, Mackenzie and Cedar Hill. Um, so I imagine that as those changes unfold and as those developments occur, there's an opportunity to accelerate a bit of the work that would have happened uh, with the creation of those bike lanes and, uh, and widened sidewalks. Yes, one of the applicants that was approved is actually going to uh, redo the sidewalk from his property uh, uh, to, I can't remember the street now, a whole block, as opposed to technically, you know, he really just has to improve it around his, his application, but he's doing the whole block. So yeah, I think that that's the goal. The goal is that as development happens, it's all entrenched into the Shelburne plan. We need this much, and this is the type of look that it ultimately will be. And I know that Saanich is out there also trying to acquire um, road width as well from uh, applicants and uh, property owners. So yeah, you know, people, people want it done now, Dean, and they want, mm -hmm. you know, they want the perfect solution. But as we know, in local government, it takes many years to get the perfect solution. Uh, but what we want to see is that it doesn't stop. It doesn't mm -hmm. slow down. We want to see continual improvement because we know active transportation is a key platform for Saanich. And uh, the idea that we're ever going to build more roads and widen roads, that's not on our horizon. What we're going to do is put better uh, cycling, pedestrian and transit infrastructure. Music to my ears, I'm sure uh, probably some frustration among those who are, are dedicated car commuters, but I think increasingly there are more and more of us in the camp of active transportation commuters or, or transit commuters, um, not just because it's good for you um, and that it's uh, an efficient way to get around, but I think the cost of car ownership has become considerable for folks in an environment when 
their mortgage costs are higher than ever and rent rental costs are higher than ever, people have to make some tough choices. Uh, and that means not having a vehicle in a lot of cases. Well, I think that's a key one. But when you talk about um, complete communities or um, where density should happen on a smart growth principle, and even under the provincial government, the uh, um, their uh, climate action, they talk about the suburbs should uh, focus on corridors and centers for density. And that's what I've been pushing all the time I've been on council because that's where all the services are. We got pipes in the ground that have capacity. We've got transit. Shelburne's a major transit uh, hub that will increase. And so that's what you wanna be able to do. You wanna put people where all the services are so that they won't automatically think I'll get in my car and drive to the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Instead, they'll think, you know, the pharmacy's a block away, it'll be nice fresh air and a good little bit of exercise for me today. So that's what you want to be able to create. So I'm with you. Um, and I, you know, are people buying more and more cars? I don't know if they are or not. But we also have to reflect that you and I can still ride a bike and you and I can, you know, walk a great distance. Um, but we have an aging population. And so we also have to reflect on that. They're not going to get out on a bike. They may till they're about 80. As I know people in their 80s who still ride a bike, but then when their vision or whatever, right? So we also have to reflect. They will always have a car till they lose their license and then they'll be on transit, right? So... I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that the introduction of e-bikes has made it uh, oh. a, a lot more accessible for folks who may have been otherwise limited in the past. Obviously, vision impairment is going to be a, a challenge that can't be overcome with an e-bike. But I wonder about the ability to create greater connectivity between suburbs, neighborhoods, and those major corridors where people would find transit service. Is there a way that you could make that more accessible, say with, you know, more community bus service that would collect people in those neighborhoods and bring them to the cor the major corridors? Well, as you know, I was chair of transit for six years, five years, I can't remember now, but the challenge, we did try uh, smaller buses. Uh, in neighborhoods and stuff, but what we ended up happening was that during peak hours they weren't they weren't big enough to carry, you know, for morning and evening commutes and stuff. So the idea of running uh, buses uh, down streets, even like a handy dart size bus, right? Um, there are issues about density. You want to put them where the density is so that you can get the ridership. Um, now, will transit look at neighborhood buses? Well, they have in the past. But uh, the thing you want to be reflective on is that um, homeowners, the single family home idea is probably not going to be the standard uh, for living in the future. I think you're going to, like, I know what friends of mine, they don't want to deal with the yard. You know, they'd like a townhouse with a little postage stamp of a yard, you know, so single family homes may not be the same. And so do you run buses down, you know, um, San Juan or some of these streets to pick up two riders a day where you could add more service on Shelburne and pick up a hundred more riders a day. So it's all a balancing act and uh, uh, we'll see. And when my daughter went to Claremont, she, no, she went to Stelly's. Um, I um, 
<laughs> and she'll hate me for saying this, but uh, when she went to Stelly's, uh, she rode the bus. If she slept in and I had to start the car to drive her, I charged her $2.50. <laughs> and she'd come home and she'd say, no other parent does that. And so it's just, you know, how, how we educate, how we move forward, how we reflect what we do is part of uh, how we make the planet better. So yeah, you know, if transit wants to look at those type of buses, but you know, again, you got electric buses coming. The thing with electric bikes is interesting. There's really, I mean, they sold out in so many stores, mm -hmm, locally, mm -hmm. right? But as an older person, and I'm reflecting like on uh, older people I know in my family, for instance, vision impairment, balance. Balance is a big deal with um, with older people. And so uh, the, um, the idea of them all getting on electric bikes, some will, you know, and we know in Europe, you know, they do, they get on bikes all the time, right? But we also have to reflect on an aging population and how we can accommodate them as well in the act of uh, transportation uh, plans. So I think that's a really good point. Um, and you mentioned uh, smaller, more dense living, having a you know postage stamp size uh, backyard or, or garden. And I think that we hear that regularly, that there needs to be a place for folks who are, are downsizing, that are moving away from the single family homes and, and putting them in those areas where they have good access to services. Why do you think we haven't seen a lot of that kind of development in Sandwich? I mean, we see increasingly, I think we've, we've seen condos uh, going up in Sandwich and we see subdivision of existing lots to create two single family homes. In some cases we see multiple smaller lot homes, but not a lot of, of townhouses or triplexes. What do you think has been, what do you think has slowed that process? Well, I think when you talk, we have a lot of density that can go along, uh, that can be put in along Shelburne, for instance. And when the Uptown Douglas Corridor plan comes forward, there's a ton, thousands of opportunities for housing, townhouses, condos. Um, our um, housing assessment report showed that Savage needs to introduce 600 new dwelling units a year for the next five years, I think. Um, we probably have 600 already on the books that aren't developed. Um, and I do think the market's changing. I think people are looking for townhouses. Uh, and I think that condominiums have a certain appeal too. Now, putting a triplex in a neighborhood might uh, seem interesting, but if you don't have the services there, what are you creating? I mean, mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you're only 200 meters away from a bus stop, maybe. Uh, don't forget, all of Saanich, even though people talk about single family zones, you know this, all of Saanich is really not a single family zone because they all can have do, uh, they all can have suites. So right away, they've doubled the density that was normally just a single family house. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, and now we've approved garden suites too, right? So, but I think we have to keep focusing where you want the density to happen so that you can create opportunities um, for more efficient economic growth, you know, more businesses in Saanich. And, uh, and I think that's in our corridors and centers. <laughs> I don't know. I think infill will always happen in Saanich. It always yeah. has. Um, but, uh, and the other thing that's happened, I, I, I think we honestly believe, Dean, um, that as the population aged, so um, a couple, their the kids have grown and moved away, and maybe a spouse has passed away or whatever, we always assumed they would move out of that single family home and into something smaller. Mm -hmm. But what we've seen uh, is that they're staying in that single family home. And maybe they'll get borders in or something. So it's not like we thought would happen because then the single family home would be able to go back into the marketplace and they would move into a condo or something. It's, it's just not happening that way. And it could be cost. It could be familiarity. They've lived in that home 40, 50 years, you know? So it's really tricky actually developing the right kind of mix of housing for, <laughs> for society, right? Absolutely. And with seniors, you know, you can't have all these stairs to walk up and down, right? So a lot of a lot of the designs I've seen in other municipalities are tall, and there's a lot of stairs to get to the top bedroom. <laughs> yes, so. you and I have both talked about um, people not using a vehicle. That increasingly yeah. we're seeing people choosing active transportation and transit. You mentioned at the top of the discussion, um, contending with parking complaints and parking issues. Do you think that, I've heard a lot and I've had guests on the podcast who talk about parking requirements and uh, in some cases, what seem like onerous requirements for, for uh, multifamily developments when it comes to parking. And the argument's been put to me that people just aren't using vehicles. If you have them on a major corridor that they likely don't own a car or they probably don't use that car because they've got access to transit and, and active transportation. Do you think it's at all likely that Saanich is going to relax some of those standards when it comes to development on those major corridors? I would challenge uh, people to find a development that we made put in the requirements under uh, the bylaw. We negotiate. Uh, I can't even remember the last time. I, I don't even remember a development that we've made put in. I think it's one and a half spots per unit. I can't remember, but I, I so, don't remember yeah. it. Yeah, we always negotiate down. Um, we are looking at, um, for me, uh, the other standard is increasing um, bicycle facilities. Mm -hmm. So our bicycle guidelines, which we built, was built in the 1996. And, you know, in the guidelines, there's not even a space for a cargo bike. And, of course, electric bikes weren't around. So um, under the Uptown Douglas Corridor uh, plan, there is work around parking standards, which also includes cycling. Because I think security of bikes are far more important now because the bikes are expensive. And I think you need to put in uh, charging units for electric bikes. So those are all part and parcel of 
things coming forward. But I would challenge people to tell me what application that we mandated they put in the standard. I, I don't remember any in my term. You know, we've reduced the standards for quite some time, actually, 0.851. But um, I, I tell you, my, I'm, I'm not going to tell you where my sister lives, but in the daytime, the underground is empty. I visit mm -hmm. her at night, it's packed. And she says people are advertising for another parking space and they'll pay a hundred bucks a month. Oh, so wow. I agree that you could decouple parking, but I think you decouple parking uh, where you have rental units and stuff in the corridors and centers where the services are. I'm not sure you decouple parking if you're gonna build a four story um, out in the suburbs because they're gonna drive. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Saanich has a fairly ambitious new uh, climate plan that was renewed after the 2008 iteration of its climate plan. There are a number of initiatives in that document that uh, address exactly the topics we've, we've covered here, active transportation and, and uh, converting vehicle fleet to electric, encouraging uh, public transit use, building renovations to reduce uh, energy consumption. How is Saanich positioned to deliver on that plan? Well, if we take the active transportation plan, uh, which is uh, a document that council uh, approved, it's a 30 year plan, but it can happen faster depending on grants and whatnot. So there are short term, medium term and long term initiatives within that. And with that plan, uh, we file an annual report. So you'll see the initiatives, you'll see the uh, sort of accomplishments. The same thing is happening with the climate action plan. We never, with the previous action, uh, climate plan, we never had a kind of annual report, you know, targeted, these are the initiatives that are supposed to happen in this year. And, you know, uh, a report that came forward to council that said, these are the ones we've accomplished, these ones have been delayed. Um, but we're doing that now with this new plan. Uh, in fact, we just had an update before Christmas, maybe November, and there are there are over a hundred initiatives in the new climate plan, uh, and we've accomplished, I think, uh, on the road, accomplished twenty three so far. The plan is just a year old, so I think that's where people can challenge us to make sure that we're meeting our commitments through the annual reports. And uh, as you know, it depends on money for uh, some uh, initiatives, but not just taxpayers' money. It, you know, taxpayers want us to get grants and we've been doing quite well with grants. And I'll just say to you, the one thing that's coming up on Monday's agenda, I'm so excited about is Commonwealth Place, which was built in 19, you know, for the 1994 games has, um, I, I used to have a word for it, but it's got such old, it's, a, it's an energy hog. That's what it is. It's an energy hog. On Monday's agenda, we will be hopefully approving um, the RFP for a biomass system for Commonwealth. My belief is it's the first one in the region. And I think that is also the amount of greenhouse gas and energy uh, that that will reduce is significant. And that's another 
you know, positive thing. It's not just about transportation. It's also about building infrastructure. And we have a new fire hall that will have energy efficiency. We have the new Saanich Operations Center, which is the public work shard. So everything we do now has climate action built into it. So what will be different about the expectation from residents in Saanich as we go through a pandemic recovery? Well, I think uh, with respect to recreation, for instance, I think our residents are, will be eager to get back into our community centers, uh, where a lot of uh, not only fitness programs, but, you know, Gordon Head has a coffee program with seniors, I think it was on Wednesday, all those social connections, the youth program and the youth drop-in centers, I think they'll expect us to get back to some of the norms. What I don't know uh, will change is, will, because of the pandemic, Will some of the norms now be some uh, working from home? Uh, will some of the norms, like the, I know there's a few members on council who, who want to use more uh, electronic uh, conferencing like Zoom and we're into Microsoft Teams and Saanich for meetings. I, I'm not one of them. I, I prefer face-to-face. -face. I think there's more of a dialogue happening. So I'm sure that residents just want I, you know, they're locked down and they see this, but they can still get out and walk in the parks. Uh, their toilets still flush. They still have water. Their garbage is still picked up. I don't think in Saanich they've really noticed a drastic uh, impact. Developers probably, because they have to make an appointment to come in and see a planner. It's not just walk up and go up to the hall and, you know, that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it comes back into life. I hope people still walk the parks. I hope that they've now discovered that this is a great activity uh, for kids and older people to enjoy. But uh, we'll have to see. I don't think, you know, I'm a Sanish resident, you're a Sanish resident. Have you noticed any real difference? Except, like I said, the community, uh, community centers, you can't go in and swim as easy and things like that. Well, you know, I mean, obviously people's lives have been impacted in, in numerous ways, but I, I do agree with you and, and actually penned a letter uh, back in the fall commending staff for what I think has been an extraordinary effort to maintain services to the extent that that's possible, including limited recreation activities. Um, in an environment where public health guidelines are constantly mm -hmm. changing, I think staff have done a remarkable job in keeping those services open to the extent that they're able to do that. Uh, so I agree. I think Saanich has, has been very skillful in, and thoughtful about continuing to deliver services. But I, I also think that there's been a significant constraint on, on people's ability to to live the lives that they, yes. they used to live. And, and I think that once we've been given the okay to emerge uh, from our, from our self-imposed <laughs> isolation uh, and, and begin to experience some of those things that we're, we're craving, those social interactions that we're craving, I have a sense that there will be a desire from folks to see more opportunity to, to get together, more public spaces for, for gathering, yeah. Um, I think some of those temporary patios that were put in place in downtown that took over parking spaces, I have a sense that that's probably going to shift into something more permanent as people really 
enjoy that sort of piazza open air experience um, and when they're free to do that even in closer proximity. Well, you see, in Saanich, you know, we looked at that really, I mean, you can imagine a number of us were pushing for that. But the difference is we don't have on-street parking. You know, we don't have meters, you know. So in Shelburne, there wasn't any sort of width you could take to pop out. But where there was, was on private uh, properties, like, you know, the little shopping plaza. I mean, I thought Uptown did a great job by putting those tables and stuff and closing off that uh, front uh, roadway. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some of that. But that, again, Dean, is also built into the Shelburne plan. You know, like when a development happens, we want, I call them pocket parks. They're kind of like in New York, you know, they, they have these nice little resting areas. You can eat your lunch at, and you know, there's greenery. So that's all built into that. But I agree. I think there'll be a real need for social connection. And uh, I think that the municipality can uh, see uh, some of that happening in other areas. But I, I've craved for years being on Sandwich Council. I mean, Sandwich doesn't have any public benches on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. None. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. There are two, I think, at Home Depot that we push them to put in when they redevelop Home Depot. <laughs> but, you know, we don't even have a public bench uh, policy. And so that's all being built into uh, some of the changeovers. So I know um, these are all things that are so important to make a healthy community, uh, to make social connection uh, part of everything we do. Uh, I love when I'm on my bike and I'm out riding the goose and I say hello you know lots of people say hello some don't and I figure they've come from another community <laughs> but you know we're really friendly and uh, we need to continue that so I agree I think there'll be more push for us to do more uh, space uh, where people can mingle and that's all part of developing uh, healthy communities and community spaces for all seniors young kids moms with kids coffee on the street but first of all, let's get a bench program sandwich on the sidewalks. You know, especially again, I go back to the seniors team because you know seniors walk a lot, but they sure would like a bench to rest on every now and then. So I just want to say, if you read the Shelburne plan and the the new coming forward Uptown Douglas Corridor plan, you'll see policies in there for that very thing. We want more on the street. You have to remember, Sandwich was always built as a suburb. We weren't mm -hmm. built around like a downtown. You know, why didn't Victoria close down Government Street? You know, that's been an issue for years, right? But there are real opportunities, I think, so. Judy Brownoff is a Saanich Councillor, the Chair of the Parks, Trails and Recreation Advisory Committee and Board Chair of BC Healthy Communities. Judy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks, Dean. See ya. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. I'm Dean Murdoch. Thanks for listening. <laughs>